This is CliffCentral.com. Yes. <laughs> it's just fabulous. 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 Yes. It's absolutely fabulous. It's absolutely <laughs> fabulous. Salman Anoki, welcome to the show. It's frankly speaking, one hour of uh, all the rubbish that has happened over the year. WTF 2017. Same as last year, huh? Same as last year. We should just do a, a pre-record. <laughs> yeah. Like. In January, we do a pre-record for 2018. Exactly. Because you know? it's always the same characters. It is. really is. And, 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 and sub-characters of the same characters. You're 100% right. Hey, man. It is uh, one year to look back at. And we're going to do it with the fabulous Chris Vick. Uh, he is in studio today. He's left his children behind, finally. And um, he is in studio, so we'll talk to him a little bit later. Also, Rory, we've—I suppose—we've got to say it at some stage, you know. This what is do you mean a little bit later? What am I supposed to do in the meantime? Look at you guys. <laughs> Listen, I have broadcast a privilege right now. You chill, all right? You just chill there. You drink uh, your I water. I mean, you start four minutes late, and then you kind of bounce <laughs> me into half past nine or something like that. I don't know why his mic is even on. I know, uh, like it's not your time, Chris. It's not your time. <laughs> anyway, he's ready to go. Rory, we are. This is our second last show. Yeah, in the slot, Yay. in this format. <laughs> Chris, and, stop uh, being a dick. Okay. And, uh, and uh, yeah, we decided to invite uh, the, 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 the our most loyal listener slash guest. If slash, he's our uh, most loyal listener, we've got serious problems. <laughs> I'll tell you well, that for sure. There you go. Um, so yeah, it's uh, we're reaching the end of. Uh, uh, the end of an era An illustrious career Let's illustrious be honest career. So How many years Andrew Is it three years? Three yeah 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 Three yeah. years Three years um, Doing this It's sad uh, But next week We'll get into it um, On our last show But uh, today <laughs> Sad <laughs> What are you guys Going to cry Well over? well, you, You're happy Because uh, He does He does He does He does He does Bet for the other team Right um, on on the other side are competitors. The renegade report. No, this guy. Uh, he's, you yeah. don't have competitors. So he's just happy. He's just happy now. We're we're, we're off air. There's no competition for him anymore. It's true. It's so, true. So yeah. Um, but oh, uh, you're talking about seven o two, where I'll be on between can you, can you, Christmas can you, can and mid January. Is that what you were switch, talking can about? Can you switch his mic between off? nine and twelve? Can you switch his mic off, please? I, no, I don't want to. He's sinking himself. I mean, who the hell is on during the Christmas period nine to twelve? Who's listening anyway? I'm playing you know? festive music. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly. <laughs> World to world trumpies in them. <laughs> Nothing else. The trumpies Christmas album. I look forward to hearing that one. Um, is the best <laughs> so we're speaking about WTF 2017. Why don't you say what the fuck? I mean, you're allowed to swear. Yeah, right? yeah you can say it. So it's why the WTF thing? No, it's a hashtag acronym for Twitter. You know, we try to keep hashtag the, acronym. Yeah, yeah. Oh, that's not right. It's just, that's an abbreviation. <laughs> <but>. <laughs> As you can see, the show has already gone pear-shaped and we are now six minutes into it. Welcome to it. Uh, if you've just joined us, we're doing What the Fuck 2017 with Chris Vick, um, our favorite guest uh, in studio. Um, we say that to all our guests, by the way, Chris. And if you want to tell us your, <laughs> if you want to tell us your what the fuck moments, you can, uh, WhatsApp on 079-748-2090 or you can tweet us at Rory Shabalala or at Yebo underscore Levy and uh, we'll take some of those moments as well. Mine is Chris Vick 3, by the way. Chris Vick 3, uh, 2 and 1. Get a better chance of retweeting if you, if you tag me. <laughs> it's because you have no one else. To, to retweet. Um, Chris, thank you for joining us. Um, before we get to you, 
Rory. <laughs> yes, my friend. <laughs> How has 2017 been for you? Oh, hard, man. The 2017 has been really, really tough. And it's it's specifically been tough around the things you can't control, at least the things I can't control. You know, so I think it's it's always manageable if it's the stuff within your control. But it just seems like everything outside of your control, outside of my control, has just like been super tough. But stretching, um, one has to believe that uh, it's it's preparation for 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 bigger and better. So yeah, my 2017 has been. But I've also been on this journey, and you know it, of uh, of not getting distracted. So I've also been a lot calmer <laughs> through 2017. How's that working for you? Every now and then, like, people that go out with the old flag dressed in black, they trigger me, and, mm. and, I, and, I, and I lose sight of my, of my focus. But uh, this year has been all about it. It's just like, hey, uh, not getting distracted. Um, Learning a lot around, you know, like Nigerians and so on were saying, like, why are you South Africans so sensitive? Or why are you South Africans just get so distracted? Every little thing you have to, like, discuss it and debate it and so on. Just, just like, focus. Focus mm-hmm. on what's more important. So it's been, I think, a year of trying to figure out what is most important and trying not to get distracted from it. Chris, personally, your year? Before um, we get into the, the world Having children yeah, Most phenomenal thing I mean at 75 but I talk about That's that. quite a feat eh? Yeah it is But I mean science is amazing you know? <laughs> The girls were born At the age of five So That's how it works out But it's been great it's Yeah been great It's given me a different perspective You know And grounded me And I I just love it Help me understand The different perspective Well I, th- I think You know when When you do the kind of work I do Which is sort of Flying close to the edge Without a parachute you don't often think about consequences and you don't think about, I mean, I live life, I used to live life day by day. And so in terms of politics and the kind of circles that I move in, I would think about the future, but I wouldn't be too concerned. I'd always think about tomorrow, not about 10 years time. And I think having the twins has just made me see things completely differently. Mm. Um, it sort of personalizes it, it personalizes the political. And I've always been very passionate about what I do, but now I'm even more passionate mm. about trying to make a different kind of difference. That's what matters to me. Hmm. Wow, man. Nothing but kids can, uh, can, can, can drive a person, um, towards that kind of reflection. Andrew, mm. any kids this year for you? Jeez, thankfully not. No, no kids that I know of. So that's no, but the you have to have sex to have children, man. <laughs> 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 this guy's ungovernable. <laughs> Just because he figured it out and he eventually had kids, now now he looks down. No, on no, it. It's pretty now he looks down on no, all of us. <laughs> no, it's pretty obvious. The secret, the secret recipe. This guy. Oh my goodness. Um, How's your year been? Yeah, man. I think it's been difficult. It's been a difficult 2017. Lots of personal challenges, um, and then of course lots of societal challenges, and and they kind of breed into one. So. Yeah, lots of learnings, hey? I think as you grow up and you get older, you start to really learn shit faster. So that's, I think, what I'm, what I'm getting down to. Um, but yeah, I think, uh, let's, let's get into what we think this year has been. Um, Chris Rory, one of the biggest headlines for me, you know, besides the ANC and all the bullshit, and we'll get into that and, and Zuma and Guptas and whatever, but one of the saddest moments was Essie Dumani, for me at least. I don't know how you guys feel. Maybe that's a starting point. Chris, your your thoughts on Essie Dominion and what's been going on there? For me, it's it, it's kind of vindicates the cynicism we've had about the way government treats people. 
Um, you know, we do talk about state capture and people looting millions, but when you drill into life as a many, it's a, a bankrupt provincial department, politically mismanaged, um, takes a decision which is still very, very hard to explain that results in the most, most vulnerable people in society <coughs> being dumped in houses that just aren't equipped to deal with them. A friend of mine is one of the people who lost a sister um, through through that whole saga. And I had to interact... <coughs> sorry, that Cohiba had a remnants in it. I had to interact with her around preparing a statement to the to the hearings. And it's just, it's astounding. Because, I mean, we talk about 140 people. That's that's the number of people in a small airline plane, right? Mm. It's a, it's a huge a number of people. Yeah. And in her case, I mean, her sister was, was mentally ill, was taken to a proper clinic, was treated, and then this decision was made to cut costs because the health department was short of money. So she got dumped in a, in a house in a Pretoria township, um, along with eight, between eight and ten other people, it's not clear. Mm. No medical care, no food, no water, no toilets. I mean, you basically just rock up at someone's house and say, here are eight people. They're yours. We'll give you a cut. Yeah, we'll give you a cut. So she got. She wasn't consulted on where her sister went. Um, When her sister died, (coughs) she found out when they phoned and said, "Can you come and fetch the body?" Imagine that. Mm, Imagine that that day. Then she went to the to the to the supposed place of shelter, and they said, "Oh, the body's at a mortuary." They sent her to the wrong mortuary. She eventually found her sister in another mortuary. The people running the mortuary say, hey, by the way, while you're here, can you help us trace the relatives of the seven other bodies that we have from, so from that same place? Trauma on top so of trauma. Eight from eight, basically. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it, so, and then she said, but I want a post-mortem. And the response was, no, you can't instruct a post-mortem. The government has to instruct a post-mortem. So it just kept going on and on and on. And I mean, then, you know, I think about two or three years have passed since that happened. You then go through the hearings themselves where Kaidani Matlangu is missing in action. We still don't know where she's doing a degree. Mm. If she's doing a degree. Completely irresponsible. No sense Mm. of accountability from her. You get the officials coming in who talk as if they were dealing with with reams of paper rather than with people. We move this one here, we move this one there. It just just sort of encapsulates, along with Michael Komape, the young boy Mm. who died in Polokwane, also taken up by Section 27, but it just encapsulates the cruelty of of the current public service we have and the political leadership that we have. To take those decisions in the first place is one thing, but this complete lack of accountability and responsibility and a complete lack of action once a problem is exposed. And I think we're seeing the tip of many icebergs. Yeah. I think that, that this is happening across society. That, that the ANC in particular is just letting people down. Mm. And it's compounded by a public service that is, has good people in it, but it also has huge pockets of people who are much more interested in running their own businesses or taking mm. a slice mm. along mm. the way. Mm. So that whole notion of public service, service to the public is gone. The whole notion of servant leadership, if it ever existed, is gone. It's, n- it's not about servant leadership. It's not about setting a tone that says, Ultimately, we are here to make people's lives better. You know, so, so those two cases, I think, Life is a Dominion and Michael Komape yeah. really, for me, symbolize 
what 2017 is about. And I don't know how much long, how much longer people are going to put up with this shit. Mm. But uh, doesn't that does not say something as well just about you know we always used to think, or at least I, I used to think that this was. Uh, concentrated in specific in specific areas, right? So where where people, where certain group of people are around that those people's orbit, um, that's where all of the rot is. Um, we always used to think, for example, that the Gauteng A and C were the ones who had it, who who at least were the shining beacon mm, had it in, together. In, in all of this. So, and then you look at it and you say, okay, so it's happening in Gauteng. There's still no, no, no accountability. And then you look at some of the people that have gone to, um, to testify. So Dr. Makhabo Man, uh, Manamel and so on. And even at that level. So it's not even at the political level. It's just, so across society, horizontally, but also just, it doesn't, it's not just at a political level. It just seems like the further down you go, there's just this lack of care, lack of empathy, lack of just, Shame even um, at, 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 at doing some of these things. So, so what's going on? And uh, and is there still hope? I mean, you look at this for me signals just how hopeless the situation might be. Actually, um, and maybe I'm just being pessimistic. Just one of those mornings, but uh, it's just it's really really sad. What does this signal for us as South Africans? And will the replacement of one candidate by another, one person by another, actually make a difference? Because this goes to the heart of who we are as a people, and it clearly looks like we're depraved. I I, I don't think that. <clears throat> sorry, <coughs> I don't think there's a candidate who's a silver silver bullet who's going to turn this around. I mean, I think they they all have huge issues, baggage problems, etc. But I think whoever gets the job. One of the biggest challenges they're going to face is to turn around the public service mm. because the public service is the machine yes. that has to deliver on yeah, these things, yeah. right? And, and I mean, I've, I've done three stints. I've done my national service three times, once in 94, where we were all fresh, energetic social justice activists working in the government. I went back in 2000 where there was a beginning of a sense of malaise because the politics was polluting the way the public service operated. And then I was back again in 2009 in the Human Settlements Ministry, where we found 60% of the staff who worked there were running their own businesses on the side. And some of those were running businesses which were in complete conflict with what they were doing. And we had a very senior guy running a and b from his home. And every time there was a conference that oh, people from out people of town, there. they stayed in his B&B. Oh, wow. you know? so, and, and, and this is a very senior person, like number three in the department. Mm. And I think that's what's happened. It's 23 years after democracy. You have a public service, which, as I say, has pockets of excellence and people are trying very hard. But they learn the culture of the political leadership and the administrative leadership who are there, which is, I don't care. Yeah. It's become a very selfish, I think we've become a very selfish nation, mm. very self-interested, and I, and I think that the political leadership has defined that, and the administrative leadership has copied that, and corporate South Africa has copied it as well. Mm. I, I'm not as depressed as you. I mean, I, I think that, I, I take a long-term view, I'm, I'm not, uh, December, to me doesn't really matter, to a large extent, who mm. comes in. It's what gets done with who is in charge. If if Ramaphosa comes in and he doesn't start locking people up and he doesn't get rid of corrupt ministers and he doesn't pay attention to the economy, you might as well have him because it's not going to make a difference. Yeah, and I, and I think that's the challenge, right? It's, <laughs> it, is that, and it applies to people like you and I as well. You know, I can sit back and say public service is fucked, it's corrupt, etc. 
But if conditions change, I would go back. I would want to make a difference mm-hmm. because I realize we can't abdicate responsibility to other people now. Things are so bad in the economy, in the public service, in society that we have to get involved mm-hmm. um, and, and not just be critical of people who are doing it, but find ways in which we can make a difference. Well, that leads us to almost uh, another big point is that in the midst of all of this and perhaps um, just a, a point of hope is that uh, we, we have – uh, we had a lot of civil activism, uh, you know, a lot of people that have never marched before, that have never gotten involved, uh, getting off their bums and going out and showing their discontent. So on the one side, while uh, government and leadership has disappointed, it seems like we're slowly begin, be, beginning to see the citizen rise. Uh, and Andrew, you at the heart of this, of this uh, taking photos right in the middle of it. You, you at some stage got shot by, by rubber bullet? Thankfully, not this year. Last year was oh, a yes, was a great was year for shootings. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, I mean, I think the question really is: is what is that activism looking like at the moment? So we all went and we we you know, marched in some way or form. We took a Wednesday or a Friday off, wore a shirt, and and went to the union buildings. But past that, what did we do? You know, and I I include myself in that. What 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 does good civil service and civil activism look like? Um, and we've spoken a little bit about civil service. Let's talk about civil activism. What could that look like? Uh, Chris, you've been involved in some civil activism movements across your, your career. Um, <clears throat> how have you felt in terms of society? And are, is there actually a big change? Or is it more just like, you know, we talked about the slacktivism, Twitter activists. Now it's moving towards maybe, you know, people are actually walking now. So they're, they're getting their 10,000 discovery points when they, when they put their Fitbit on or something. But has that actually changed the game, you know? And, um, <laughs> Chris, from your your thought process, I, I think I think civil society has been more coherent this year than in the past. Mm. I mean, you've seen coalitions forming. You don't see the problems that exist within the coalitions, but I think that there's definitely been a stronger public presence from civil society. But I mean, my my experience was there's a, a very real sense of fatigue now, mm. which works in favour of the people who are fucking with society. Yeah. Um, if you think of the Gupta emails, for example, 200,000 emails get released to a group of journalists and week after week after week after week, a, we have these revelations, right? Revelation, yeah. and, and I think we just become exhausted. Mm-hmm. And, and, I, and, I, and, I, and I don't think the response is, let's get back on the streets, let's have Tahir Square, let's mm. do what people in South Korea did. The other thing which a friend of mine pointed out is, is, is the, the geography of apartheid makes it very difficult to organize mass, mm. right? I mean, to, to try and combine, if we were to organize a demo in Alex, for example, and expect people from Soweto and Santon and other it's areas, not, to yeah. go, it's really, really difficult to do that. So, so, so it can't be national, it can only be sort of regional. You'll have the pockets, pocket, yeah. yeah. But I, but I do think that that sense of fatigue is, is really going to be, it, 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 it's got to give. You know, and, mm. and, and I think, for example, in the, in the sectors I move in, if NDZ is elected in December, people are going to be out on the streets early next year. Mm. It, in a sense, it's a new struggle, right? Because you've got a replication of Jacob Zuma in the form mm. of NDZ. So you might see that, but you might also see people think, well, there's nothing we can do. Yeah. And it carries on. And, and I mean, when you've got elements of a failed state already, which I think life is it in many symbolizes and the Michael Kumapi case and the countless others that we've seen, you've seen SOCs, state owned companies getting looted mm. to the tune of 700 billion rand. You have complete palookas running those institutions and getting away with it. 
it's got to give at some point. Mm. The question is, I, I don't think there's going to be a kind of historical tipping point. Yes. I think it's just going to come out of the blue. It might be another Marikana. It mm. might be something that, that, that is that brutal that really triggers the response that we need. You know, I, I want to talk uh, or attach on to what you were saying and speak a little bit about the media's role. But before we hit there, potentially one of the turning points that I thought would change the game is social grants. Now, we remember the palaver that happened with uh, and uh, the fact that they were potentially literally days away from not paying 17 million people social grant money. I mean, that could have been it, Chris. That could have been the moment where in 2017 we saw the biggest corruption scandal with, uh, what were they called, One Something? Um, Net One. Net One, yeah. And, um, and a moment where, you know, a lot of people who rely on the grants – wouldn't have got them, and that could have been it. But it might still happen. <laughs> yeah, I, mean, I, I don't think you should rule out in April a complete fracas around this kind of thing, um, because we don't know if the post office can carry it out, etc. But I think the other thing to worry about is whether the state can afford to pay social grants the way it does mm. now. I mean, there's talk of a social welfare bubble where you reach a situation where the fiscus just can't tolerate the demands. Especially when revenue is in decline, exactly. right? They're not collecting as much as they used to. Yeah. So now, yeah. With, and, and we're looking at free education, but I digress. Let's, yeah. No, I mean, I think it's, <laughs> that's what's, that what interesting is, is you can't, you can't move around money that you don't have, right? So there are haircuts taking place in every government department to try and fund the president's daughter's ex-boyfriend's cigarette box proposal. <laughs> but, but the social welfare bubble is a very real issue because even if you have to, if you have to cut it by 20 rand or 40 rand, I mean, that's, that's survival money for people. Mm. There's a misnomer that people use their social grants to get a weave or buy yeah, cell phone so units. Not it's not true. I mean, that's survival money. And the minute you take that away or you cut it, you are pissing off the poorest of the poor. Mm. In a very direct way. And, and I think for the ANC, the dilemma there is it's not just that they are, they are trying to provide a social welfare net, but the, there's often a, a sense of, of dependency where people think, if I, if I'm not an ANC member, I won't get my social grant. There's yeah. a relationship yeah. between mm. that. So piss off, you're pissing off 15 million potential voters as well a year before an election. But it's a very is, difficult is situation. that not the issue? Is that the risk is not actually those voters? It's how the ANC then is going to begin to respond to them? Because, like you said, it's very difficult to organize. It's very difficult to actually do anything. So, um, you know, to to that mass, we speak about it as as a huge mass, but it's a highly fragmented mass geographically. Uh, but when that begins to become an issue, how does the ANC and government begin to respond? Begins to push us towards a tipping point where people get killed. Uh, and we have another Margana or we have a situation where they get to call a state of emergency and that's been bandied about as a mm. scenario where uh, Zuma, Zuma gets to suspend the constitution and do whatever he wants. Um, so is that, is, that, is that the biggest thing that we should be, we should be worried about? Well, I think there's a lot more, but it's yeah. certainly in the top five issues to look out for because it, if there's strain in, 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 in the national fiscus, which there isn't, it's going to get worse. I, I mean, that's the other weird aside. We, we now have junk status, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, on, on, on an ordinary day in South Africa. There would be outrage mm. about that and there would be a response to it. Mm. But, but, but I, I, I do think it's one of the top issues, particularly because there's so much suspicion of corruption and you can't, <coughs> I, I don't think Batabile Lemini, for all her intents and purposes enjoys public confidence. It's not like we're saying, no, it's okay. Batabile is in charge. <laughs> it's going <laughs> to get sorted okay, out. Yeah. Right? 
Yeah. So it is. I mean, if I if I was thinking of investing in South Africa, if I was a foreigner, I'd be really worried about that potential of a real not revolution, but a re, I mean, every village and town, people not getting the money they used to or not getting money at all because of these problematic tenders that they get involved in. Mm. People are going to be really angry. We're talking with uh, Chris Vick. What the fuck, 2017? It is our end of year uh, review of the year that we've just had. Um, very interesting conversation, Chris. We've been speaking a little bit about civil service, about civil activism. Uh, of course, what came into the spotlight was, I suppose, the corporates who weren't really in the spotlight uh, until this year. Really, you know, we always were thinking the Guptas and Zoomers. It's all government tenders, and it's all you know government issues, and all oh, the government and blah blah blah, and, and they're siphoning money and blah blah. And then suddenly the the spray of, and I suppose it did come from the those two hundred thousand Gupta mm. Gupta leaks, but of just corporate involvement in all these deals. KPMG, KPMG, SAP, SAP McKinsey. Let's not forget Bill Pottinger. Bill yeah. Pottinger. Yeah. I mean, and, and these are the ones we know, right? Yeah. Like, they're, they're, I mean, I'm just waiting for two other big industries to get involved. The banking system. I mean, someone had to have done a deal somewhere along the line. It has to have happened. As well as the law, you know, and, and the legal firms. But I think the banks are already sucked in. I mean, if you look at what's come out about HSBC, for example, thanks to Peter Hain, in the UK, the banks play, had a very, some of the banks had a very definite role to play in this kind of thing. So, so they're already getting sucked into it. I, I, I mean, it's really interesting because I'm sure that what McKinsey got up to, and what KPMG got up to and what SAP got up to, those are not unique cases. No, not at all. And the difficulty all. is in this environment, right, where where you have a political leadership that is bent beyond belief, bent like a paperclip, and you have people running SOCs who follow the lead. I think when corporates interact with those people who are following the lead, it's like – Let's just make hay while the sun shines. Well, right? everyone's doing it. Yeah. So, so even the conscience, the, the conscience doesn't kick in. It's simply that's the way we do business. That's I mean, yeah, if you how we have to do business, if you listen right? to, to if you go to sort of courses on doing business in Africa, it's always this thing about hey, you know, don't bring your principles over here. You know, this is how things are done, and we do it until until actually you get caught, and then we're like, wait a minute, um, you strayed far from from the values line. But even when you get caught, I mean, KPMG gave chopped nine people, right? Two weeks later, some of them were still at work. I'm sure they all got gold they nine shades. Mm. Yeah. I, I mean, because they work in industries where white guys in suits look out for each other yes. generally. I mean, that's the sort of the tendency that you're dealing with is is a, it's a protectionist environment. Was it wasn't it odd then that KPMG brought in a black uh, a black female to to fix this mess? You would have thought that uh, they would have probably tried to get a white guy to come and fix it because they know that they'll get their friends to look out for them and make sure that the, the money still continue to flow. And there was a big thing, and again, it speaks about this, the, the, this, these different views in South Africa where some people were like, well done, black woman, this is progress, we're moving forward, um, not under the best circumstances, but hey. Um, but on the other hand, they were like, you know, you, you've just basically been given, been given a, a, a what, a, a, um, a lead ship. <laughs> yeah, 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 you've been given a lead ship to try and to try and sail, and That's you've taken clever. it. Don't yeah, don't <laughs> well done, well yeah, done. I've tried. I thought been, for a day. You yeah. Google it. <laughs> <laughs> you've been given a lead ship to 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 try and sail, um, and that was stupid. And you're basically going to drive us backwards, not forward. But I I, I don't know the person, right? But I but I suspect it's a token appointment. I, I don't think you take your head of HR and make them CEO, and think that of they are going to turn the business yeah. around. Mm. So there are probably rooms full of 
of uh, the white guys of the white background. monopoly capital people mm. in in suits living at the Hyatt or somewhere like that, who were doing trying to do the real fixing. Um, I, I don't think it was a sincere appointment at all. I think it was unfair on her. Mm. Um, but again, that's that's how some sectors of corporate South Africa work. I think the McKinsey one is is interesting. Right? I mean, KPMG with the SARS reports went way beyond what you would expect. But the, the McKinsey one where they kind of went in and saw what ESCOM is, mm. which if you look at what's been coming out of Parliament in the last week, it is a corruption clusterfuck. It's the only way to describe it. <laughs> it is the most messed up state-owned entity that we have. Mm. So you're McKinsey, you're smart people, you know how to make money. So you go in and you make a proposition with a success fee before work is even done. I mean, they re- it's like they just sort of arrived and thought, ah, these dumb duckies yeah, don't know is, what yeah, they're doing. Is, yeah. Let's just this make hay while the sun shines. And they did it. Yeah. And I mean, I, 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 people in other consulting companies in Joburg say they push the boundaries, but the McKinsey guys really kind of went to the extreme. But again, it's because they see a president who pisses on the Constitution, Builds himself a huge house and gets a dodgy loan to pay some of the money off. Mm. Doesn't get charged uh, for 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 seven hundred eighty three counts of corruption, and you just knock it on down the line, and down laughs, the line. Laughs at the face of accountability and appoints the state security minister, uh, Minister Bongo. Oh, right? Yeah. I mean, the guy's been in office for a week. There's stories about a BMW. Another week later, a dodgy thing he did with land deals in Mpumalanga. Mm. Then he's offering to bribe people who. Are, are running commissions of inquiry against ESCOM. I mean, again, on a normal day. <laughs> this would have been freaking <laughs> it's real. phenomenal. Phenomenal. Particularly that he's your state security minister. I mean, mm. no one should do it. But to have those three strikes against you within your first month in office yeah, that's, yeah. is horrendous. And yet there he is. Two weeks before the ANC conference, no one has said a word. No reprimand. No concern. No action at all. Mm. And, and that lack of culpability and the, and the, and the rec- recognition that you can do wrong and you can just walk away. away. You can be made an ambassador to some foreign country or if you're Pedani Matlangu, you can go and study at a business school in the UK. It's that culture of a lack of accountability, which I think is really going to be the ANC's downfall because it shows the lack of passion and commitment to the people. And when caught out, turn our backs and walk away. You can't sustain... Governing or ruling party like that forever. It, it, it has to turn against you. Just joined us. Welcome to the show. It's uh, What the Fuck 2017. It is very hard to follow because we're moving at a rapid, rapid rate through Pushing a lot of things. Well, let's pick it up a notch. So we, we spoke about accountability of ministers and maybe the unaccountability of a minister, Praveen Gordon, um, who also uh, had a, his, his name in, in the headlines uh, this year. Um, getting fired and removed i mean that that was a i suppose it was always coming right it was always going to come you know like the fanroyan mistake and whatever they needed a quick fix they mm. put in pravin but pravin's like just a straight down the line error i mean you speak to the guy and like i've never seen anything in my life you know like he 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 flies economy class whenever he does it you know what i mean like so he was obviously going to butt heads at some stage let's not talk about his economic policies because that's another issue for discussion another day but i mean were you surprised that he got himself into this kind of a mess no because i I think he is very principled and i think if you work (laughs) in an unprincipled environment you've got two options you can carry on butting heads which is the strategy he adopted and speaking out or there's the Derek Hanukkah option, which I think is as principled and probably more uncomfortable. It's probably 
more comfortable to be fired mm, than to, than to stay mm. and and feel the, the level of discomfort that you feel. But but I think it's kind of symptomatic of the fact that the ANC is not one organization. There mm. are still good people there in the leadership who are prepared to stand their ground. Um, Praveen did it, suffered the price. There are kind of common others haven't paid that price of losing their jobs, but it must be difficult. It must be very humiliating because everywhere you go, people are asking, how do you work with these guys? There's like this big thing that's happening at the moment, a lot of rumors around about this big fracture in the ANC. Of course, ANC isn't one voice, but there seems to be a very, very clear line of, of two big movements happening within the ANC. And of course, there's probably more, but do you think that that'll actually break away at some stage? Do you think if, if the result goes to NDZ in December, that Praveen and Derek and friends and some people who are outside the party already will actually go, you know what, enough, and break out and contest in the 2019 election uh, as a separate unified party? I, I think if it did happen, I don't think the objective of a breakaway from the ANC would be to beat the ANC. I think the objective would be to destroy its majority. Because if, if there was a breakaway party, and I'm not talking about Makosi Koza's Achang 2, right? Which, <laughs> which Change is, party. Which is just love, I'd love to hear more oh, about your thoughts. No, no, that's just silly. I mean, you don't pull together two civic organizations in the Free State, sorry, in Northwest, and some remnants from the NFP. Do you remember the NFP? Yes, right? yes, yes, yes. The, in KZN. Exactly. I mean, and call that a political party. Mm. A year and a half before an election. Yeah. I mean, you really got to build up to that. But, but if you think about it, the more crowded the space is outside the ANC, the, the, the better the chance that you can take away the ANC's majority. So if, if, if there was a thought among Praveen Gordon and Derek Hanukkah and others to split and form a political party, it would be to get 5% maximum, I would imagine. Yeah. So that the EFF chipping away, the DA is chipping away. Holomisa, I think, and the UDM mm. finally have some growth potential. <laughs> I don't know. From they've, they've waited it out long enough. Yeah, they have. They well, let's just give them a few the votes, guys. Come on, let's, let's just get them. Thanks for coming, guys. But I mean, Holomisa is working really hard to unite the opposition. He keeps trying to call a national convention. He's yeah. trying to get people together. The problem is those big heads and the DA and the white supremacists and the white privilege that says, nah, we're the we biggest can do ever, it. Right? We can do it ourselves. Yeah. Yeah. And, 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 and if, so if there's a feasibility of of a of a non ANC coalition and you've got historically ANC people in it. And let's not forget the South African Communist Party, right? Mm. Probably one of the last in the world, but it has about two hundred and fifty thousand members at the moment. It's significant. Mm. It's contesting against the ANC in Metsimoholo, Sasselberg, my own old hometown, right? Mm. They're fighting it out with the ANC and the EFF. And what that does, again, is it eats away at the ANC, at the ANC support ANC base. Yeah. So if you project that on a national level, where you've got the SACP contesting the ANC and you've got a, possibly another party, you could bring the ANC majority down to below 50%. Do, do you think it's for the purpose of a reverse takeover? So, so I mean, it's been interesting you did to go watch. To business school, it, it, right? I was about to say, what? You just lost Andrew yeah, completely. Yeah, yeah. That's when you there. crash your car and it goes on top of another one. <laughs> Going backwards. Yeah, that's when you just switch off your mic and just relax, you know, you take a holiday. But you, you well, no, wait, what is a reverse takeover? No, no, so it's it. like they, they leave uh, in order to, you know, pull the majority, force 
force the ANC to come back and say, all right, guys, we need you. Almost what was thought was, was Julius's strategy at some stages mm. is I'm going to bring you to the negotiation table and then we're going to, I'm going to come back on my terms and we're going to basically take over. I so see, I see. is that, uh, do you think that there, there, there are prospects of that type? I mean, you've been listening. I don't know if you've even at the Daily Maverick uh, event, uh, Julius has toned, like, Different guy to when he started out, um, uh, very conciliatory as well. So, so what, what, what is that all about? Do you think that that is what uh, twenty nineteen is going to be about? Let's reduce the ANC and then let's make them bring us in on our terms. I think that's a strong possibility, but uh, but I think the list of demands would be longer than the Freedom Charter because <laughs> there is so much that has to be done. There's so many commitments that you would need from the ANC before you go back. But the flip side of that is that the the, the EFF and the UDM have learned the hard way that coalitions with the DA don't work either, right? Mm. I mean, Nelson Mandela Bay, Joe Berg, it's a shitstorm. I mean, those things are very hard to manage because it's all about egos. Yeah. The same with trying to form a left coalition or an anti-ANC coalition. The egos that you have in those rooms are massive. Politicians. Right? It'll be about who sits where, whose name comes first, who gets to make the longest speech, which is going to make it very difficult to knit together something. So the option of recapturing the ANC is a possibility. <coughs> Um, but I, but I think a better option is to just let let it die. You know, I mean, I, mm. I, I think it's a damaged brand, and I think there's such a loss, there's such a loss of. I mean, I I've been a member since I was 25, and as this lighty points out, I'm 57 now, right? And and it's <laughs> it's very difficult. The lighty being Andrew. Yes, mm-hmm. in the salmon shirt. Mm-hmm. It's it's it's. I mean, you go through this tremendous emotional difficulty. You, it's like a battered spouse. You know, you mm. keep thinking. He or she's gonna stop beating me up and then boom, Bongo gets caught doing mm, what he does. Mm. Lynn Brown does what she does. So you, you go through this constant sort of battery of emotions, but you keep hoping yeah. that it's gonna change. But I think people are starting to think, no, it's just, it's, it's it, done. Yeah. It can't self-correct. I mean, that's what the veterans talk about. The thing will self-correct. If it's got four flat tires, the chassis bent and there's no roof on it, <laughs> it, can't, it can't self-correct. It's <laughs> fucked, right? But the thing is, Chris, you know, with that in mind, right? The self-correction. Where, where do people like yourself and Pravin Gordon take their vote to? Because, I mean, the DA, you're not going to go near, right? Because no. it has its own issues, its own yeah. problems, right? So we don't even have to talk about that. The EFF, one could argue that your vote could go there. Um, but one has to question, are the, the, the powers that, the people at the top and the people in power there, are they corruptible in themselves, right? Have they shown a history of corruption? Um, so are they trustworthy? You've got UDM, which would be a dark minority horse in, in, you know, so where do you take your vote? I, I, for me, that's an issue I'll answer in 2019. I mean, I think it's much more important now to play a role in bringing about change in the society we live in. Mm. The vote is a one-off thing, and yes, it does define national and provincial leadership in 2019. But I think we'd, I would want to see how it plays itself out. But there's, there's a particular issue I have now separate to what we've been talking about, right. which is the age of the people who are trying to provide leadership. Right? Mm. Um, I mean, on the same day that, that Ramaphosa's slate was published, and Ramaphosa's slate, I, I'm a, I didn't know anybody on that list who's younger than me. Right? Mm. It's toppies, mm. Mm. old people. Yeah. 
who fall asleep at meetings and have a lot of baggage. Mm. I have huge respect for the intellect, mm. but I don't know if there's the energy and the vision and the enthusiasm there to lead the country out of the shit. In that, that role, in. yeah, yeah, yeah. But on the same day, Mbuiseni and Glozi from the EFF posted him a video of himself in, in his gumboots and red overalls in his office in parliament, warming up with a gumboot dance to go and take on someone from some dodgy SOC. Mm. And on a purely emotional level, I thought I'd rather invest in that, in that kind of leadership, mm. right? And, and remember the EFF leadership have got time on their side. They're yeah, all in their mid thirties, right? Yeah. They can become president when they're 50 or 60, but that energy and the enthusiasm, which you also see in some of the other political parties, I think is, is really important. Mm. I, I think that people of my my generation, we are really fucked by apartheid and by the struggles that we fought. Mm. And I think that damage, in a way, prevents us from thinking about servant leadership. There is a sense of entitlement. Of entitlement. I did my yeah. time. Yeah. You must respect that. Yeah. Mm. And I think we must move aside for people who've got the energy and enthusiasm and who have a stake in the future. Does it, so you speak about uh, the EFF leadership having time, but we also know that in politics um, – that that would mean that, for example, that leadership needs to stay in place for the next 20 years in the EFF leading. And political animals are political animals. There's somebody who's waiting for somebody to to move and so on. Do you think that they've got the staying power to make sure that they hold on? Um, I don't you know, know if can, they need it. Can, they, mean, pull, can they, they pull a, 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 a Botelezi or a, what's um UDM guy? Could, they, 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 yeah, yeah, they might do, do that. Think, yeah. they might do because that, that's the only way that they, they, they then get to, to, to realize all of this potential. Well, unless one of them becomes president by the age they're 40. Yes, you know? And yes. if you look at Macron, you look at Barack Obama, um, uh, there are very, very competent young presidents yeah. or former presidents out there. Yeah. I, I, I don't, and I don't think it's always inevitable that they stick around forever. I mean, I worked with someone who was a politician, then became a businessman, and then tried to become a politician again. I mean, people reinvent themselves in those roles, yeah. mm. depending on what they want and how society shifts. There's there's a few issues that 2017, as you start rolling it out, it becomes a very interesting year. It's a dense year. Dense year, yeah. I mean, you spoke about leadership and aged leadership. Well, we, we only have to go across our border to talk about that as well. I mean, probably one of the biggest moments in African history since the independence of, of a lot of states, since the democracy, um, Robert Mugabe getting cooed on. <laughs> getting cooed on. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, thoughts on that, Chris? Like, was that a is that a big moment for you? Is that is it was that just it was coming or or you know what was the? I think it was a big moment, but there were much bigger moments at the time. You know, I mean, I, th I think that there, there's so much going on with South Africa, and, and I'm fascinated by what happened in Zimbabwe mm. because, uh, you know, I, I think that Mugabe was a hero to my generation because of the way mm. he led the liberation war. He gave the British a bloody nose. And in the beginning, after Zimbabwean independence, I think made a phenomenal difference in terms of land reform. Education. Education. I mean, the Zimbabwean education system was probably the best in Africa. And I think their land reform program, works, yeah. initially the land reform program was excellent. But it's that, it's that notion of, of power corrupting and, mm. and, and, and what happens to to, to radical leadership once, once you're in power for a long time. I mean, that's why it's interesting to look across the continent that the really good leaders, Sankara, etc., they get bumped off yeah. before that, that kind of thing happens. So we're left with a memory and a legacy of these amazing yes, revolutionaries. Yes, yes, We don't get to see them in the, in, in the, the 90s. Yeah, 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 yeah. Exactly. <laughs> in the 90s. But I, I mean, I, I, I think that 
that sort of big man politics that, that Mugabe represented is coming to an end in some parts of Africa. And I think that's encouraging that the, I mean, I read on, 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 on social media this morning, there's one who's been president for 43 years, for example. Mm. That's very da- da- dangerous and damaging, right? Mm. But people are starting. So, so in South Africa, we also look at Mugabe. We make comparisons with Zuma, which are not entirely appropriate, but it doesn't matter. Mm. A lot of us know Wichatwa with our president. He's overstayed as well. Can we Mugabe don't want did to, the same? We don't want to see that happening here. So we, so we're a lot more. Oh yeah, but here, I, I mean, I don't know which army would go in. Would it be? <laughs> would, it, would it be Carl Nias and Kevi? <laughs> would they? Would they borrow money for taxi fare to, or chow it from some? Well, you only need four cars, you know. That's (laughs) really what it is, you know. Let's bring it back uh, into our borders because obviously, you know, you're right. There's there's been a lot that's been going on. I think that the the other interesting uh, social movement that's happened this year is the Me Too campaign. And you know, you were speaking about NMU earlier, which which rang bells for our friend Danny Yordan. And fascinating how that Me Too campaign has now brought out the misogyny that lives within our society. I, there's, I think there's a really exciting dynamic developing around that. And I think that, in a sense, references to Kwesi's case mm. have really sped up that conversation. And I think the hashtag MeToo initiative have done that too. But it's not stopping men acting like pigs. And exactly. I think that's the problem. Yeah. Whether you're a deputy minister or some tourist who lost in a singing competition mm. called <laughs> Idols, right? Mm. That's the problem. Mm. I, cause, you know, I, cause, cause I think that, that women increasingly are finding their voice and are, and are, and are driving these messages, but we've yet to find a way to stop men acting like pigs. And mm. I think that's where the real work needs to be done. We need to look at what little boys are being taught when they're little, how they interact with each other as they get older, and what society thinks about men who abuse women. And, and there still isn't a national conversation or a national initiative around that. We, I think we're somewhere close to 16 days of activism. I don't know because it's, no, it started already. There we go. Yeah. Such a fantastic campaign, right? I mean, it, <laughs> has, it, has it started? It has, That's yeah. the thing, yeah. right? Yeah. But even when it does, it, I mean, it doesn't make an impact. Yeah. Everybody yeah. seems to agree we need 365 days of activism against violence against women, but it doesn't happen. But I think, again, it's kind of symptomatic of where we are as a society, Mm. the way we drive, the way we interact, how rude we are to each other, the lack of respect for each other. You add to that the kind of macho culture and you guys who eat meat and have too many hormones popping around your body and drink beer and (laughs) watch rugby and all these Uh, blood sports. (laughs) Yeah. No, I mean, we've got it as men. I I think we really got to think hard about what we do. What's it going to take? Because, again, it it almost brings us back to the beginning where you're speaking about your family and the beginning of a family is outside of the family unit, there's very little that you could – but who is it going to take or what is it going to take to make these deep, Changes that need to be made at a societal level. I mean, I've been in in, in places where I've asked people. So why do you, um, you you guys know that diabetes, the effects of diabetes, you, you're afraid of them and all of that, but you still don't even bother to to take care of your health. Like, there's knowing, like there's knowing that uh, you know male misogyny and so on is wrong, and then there's actually doing, and it just feels like the doing. Tends to be taken as it's too much effort. I'm already stuck in my ways. What is it going to take? Because we're speaking, we're speaking, hashtagging, hashtagging. It's not going to make a difference. It's just like racism. You don't see it changing. So, so what is it? What could it possibly take to change us? I mean, it's it's. There's a whole lot of issues that will make a difference. Not one of them will will, mm. will magically work. But 
you have to punish people who do it, right? And racists and, and men who abuse women too often get away. Yes, that's free, true, right? Yeah. So there's that one. There's also sort of setting the tone, setting, setting leadership examples. I'm sorry, when you have a president like Zuma on trial who cannot even go to the launch of a 16 days of activism mm, thing because, because it's just, just so yeah. contradictory, yeah. right? Yeah. Manana is the same kind of thing. I mean, look how long the Manana case dragged out. Before he first stuff, right? Mm. I mean, I had people approaching me saying, can you help this guy? Can you do some PR work for him? My response, and it's the same with anyone who does that kind of shit, go into counseling, sort your, sort your head out, yeah. right? So, so there's got to be that kind of, in a sense, accountability around, around behavior. But I, we have to really start looking at what, what children are learning. And I'm not just saying this because of the mm. twins, right? Mm. I, when I see an 18 year old white kid, Pull out a gun in a squatter camp. Remember that case in, 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 I think it was in Northwest a couple of years ago, where he drove past an informal settlement and just started shooting at people. Now, those kids don't, that's not from playing TV games, mm, right? right? Yeah. Your parents taught you exactly. that shit, that's right? Like so what are parents, te- what are parents teaching yeah. their children? What are they learning at school? What role models do they have? I, I smoke occasionally, as you know, I have a small cigar. And you can tell me that it kills me. Yeah. I'm still going to do it, right? Yeah. It's the same with drinking. It's the same with people who drive too fast or don't wear their seatbelts. We know that it's wrong. But until until diabetes kills you, it's a yeah, theory. Not, yeah. right? Even while diabetes is killing you. Yeah. So it, it, it seems like we, we, we have these deep these deep issues that we have to deal with and it's going to take it, – it, it can't be done by a single person. And perhaps as we think about December A and C, this, this, it's, like, it's not going to take an individual to change what needs to happen. We need a mass movement. But again, what is it going to take and who is it going to take to drive us towards that mass movement? Yeah, I mean I think the, the, meet, the sexism and debate and campaigns – are very interesting because as males and as men, we can easily say, no, we're, we are pro, you know, we're feminists, we're this, we're that, and the other. But of course, feminism and gender equality is such a nuanced thing, right? It's such a spectrum of things. So you can say you're good in this, spe- in this sector, but then the way you treat women in this sector is completely different, you know? Or the way you, you expect your, your, your wife or your girlfriend to make food for you. That, you know, it's so nuanced on so well, many that, levels. That's the problem, right? It's, it's actually, the extremes are one end, but it's actually the guys that it's live the middle, in this yeah. gray area that, uh, that, that perpetuates. And I'm included in that, area. right? I'm totally included in that. That's the problem. It's very easy for me to, to be like, oh, me too, whatever. And, you know, I, I support women and women must speak up, but I've also got some serious shit to deal with as a male and, and as an individual who is a man in the society to go, actually, I need to stop seeing women like this and I need to start seeing them like this. And that means I have to act like, that in every single situation. And it's difficult, man. It's very difficult. But also the, the point you make about nuance. I mean, I think we're living in a society that's increasingly less nuanced. Right? Yeah. You now have to condense your thoughts into it was 140, it's now 280 characters. We don't read or understand issues. We read and understand headlines. Yes. Donald Trump kind of is making a major contribution to the dumbing down that's going on, the death of ideology. You know, that, the, so that sort of combination makes it very difficult to have nuanced conversations about feminism or sexism or any other form of discrimination. That's the difficulty. Mm. Even, even if I look at, at, and it's a weird sort of tangent, but if you look at Bell Pottinger, KPMG and McKinsey, once, once they were found out, once they were bust, there was no way they were going to explain their way out of that situation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was such a two-dimensional conversation. Mm. And I think that's the way that, that 
we tend to have those conversations nowadays is is this black or white there's no there's no nuance mm-hmm. in between and to try and have a conversation about texture which some people try to do during the me too campaign and then you get Danny Jordan's response which tells you very clearly there is no real there is no texture conversation, conversation yeah. it's it's a real fuck you attitude mm-hmm. and and it, and it makes it hard to kind of push back the, the push the boundaries on these kind of conversations I'm interested, um, you, Chris, we've mentioned it a few times, and Rory, you know, before we get into the end of our hour here, and I want to see if there are any positives that came out of 2017 as well, but um, the media and the role of the media, you spoke about headlines. I mean, <clears throat> the media, we, there's the white monopoly capital media issue that runs in South Africa and runs deep in South Africa, but there's also just general media in a capitalistic society. You need to put the most extreme headline down. Um, with this, these Gupta emails and these Gupta leaks, you know, as great as it is, and it's a lot of work and a lot of reporting, jeez, I don't know if they've done it well, hey? I really don't. Because of that thing, it's so saturated. You, 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 I don't want to read it anymore. I'm over it. I'm over the nuances within those 250,000 emails because of the way and the structure in which we've, we've actually dealt it as a media. What, I mean, what's the alternative? I don't know. I mean, I mean, this is an interesting conversation to have. I, I don't know. I think know. it could have been packaged much better, particularly from a treatment point of view. Yeah. I, mean, I, I have fights with people at ENCA and City Press about it. They, and I don't want to say someone like Sky TV or CNN is, is flawless, but when there is a crisis, yes. they say there's a yes, crisis, yes. right? And they bundle and they, it all and they together. Treat it like a crisis. And they let you know that there's something serious. And generally, there's a consequence two or three days after that. I think in some cases, media outlets have contributed to our sense of fatigue because you hoy in a state capture story and the next minute there's something else. There's a packaging and a treatment problem that mm. I think hasn't maximized the impacts of what is in those documents. But I feel for them. I mean, imagine it's hard. you get 200,000 emails to go through <laughs> and you have to join the dots. And a lot of them are just little one-liners, the ones I've seen. There's no yeah, kind of coherent yeah, thread. Yeah. It's a massive investigative journalism job. But if you look at the Panama Papers, you look at the other ones. Yes, the Panama whatever, Papers is a great the example. Way, the way that was great treated example. and packaged and the impact that it had. I mean, the way people were outed very quickly with lots of evidence behind it. So let's hope the people who did it have learned the lessons because I'm sure there are more Gupta emails out there. They're coming up. We know they're on Zoom emails because he doesn't even know how to switch on his <laughs> iPad. But there must be a lot of other evidence in there yeah. that can be very useful to society. Yeah. Uh, Andrew, so you, you, as we wrap up, I guess the big thing is uh, we've spoken about all, the, all of these negative things. And I started out saying I am um, – I'm, I'm, I'm not, I'm not feeling very optimistic at the end of 2017. But is there anything that we can look back at and say, you know what? I'm really happy about that, right? Uh, don't tell me sport. Don't tell me uh, so and so won this. That, like, uh, just, like just, just some, something. Pirates. <laughs> Have you seen the PSL results? Yeah, you can't speak about the, the Springboks. Lead, the leaders are like you can't speak about Bafana Bafana. Seven you can, you draws, can only two speak about and one win, and they're at the top of the PSL. You, you can only speak about Wade van Nikker, but let's let's not talk about that. Uh, what else um, can we look at and say? Um, you know, this gives me hope, or this was a this was a high point for me for 2017, Chris. I I, I mean, you know, in radio we like to take things full circle as as pros, right? Mm. I start at the beginning. Life is it many, and and the Michael Kumapi case, depressing, horrific as they are, are indications of two things: one, that there is eventually accountability, mm. and that accountability might start to have an impact on 
how the state reacts to its citizens and how it treats its citizens. I take hope from that. Mm. Secondly, the fact that it's been led by civil society. I mean, mm. Section 27 mm. people mm. are social justice soldiers. They yes. are amazing, right? Yes. But we must look at that and say, okay, so it can be done. It, it'll help us get rid of that sense of hopelessness and empower people to take on dodgy people, whether yeah. they're state or business or private individuals. More and more often, I so I take hope out of that. Yeah. As I say, sad, tragic, but mm. if it spreads and you have greater accountability within government and you have a stronger sense of civil activism within mm-hmm. society, we can make sure that 2017 is the worst fucking year we've had, and 2018 is going to be the beginning of a different kind of engagement. Mm. Mm. I think um, for me, the two big moments was um, the inquiries. So the SABC inquiry and this ESCOM inquiry have been brilliant. I mean, if you if you ever wanted to reinvigorate your hope into a parliamentary inquiry, that was the moment, right? Some of the things that came out of there were, um, but I mean, it was it was like watching Generations One again. You know, it was just so fantastic every day. Um, and the second one, I think, is the marches and specifically the EFF march. I couldn't believe how crazy the energy was at that EFF march to union buildings uh, on a random Wednesday. It was un-freaking-believable. So there is power in the people, and I think we just got to keep remembering that. I've got nothing to add. I think uh, if there's anything I can add is that in the U.S., uh, if we can take a few things, it was Giving Day yesterday. And uh, I think about civil society and I think about – so after Thanksgiving, they have Giving Day where they give money to, you know, you know, basically go and give to to civil society and so on. Is If civil society is, is fighting for us as, as, as vigorously as, we, as this – Let's support them. Let's let's actually go out. Like, what what civil society organization are we are we happy about, and how do I give into their cause? Mm. Yeah. Chris, man, thank you, brother. Um, you. We have appreciated your comments throughout the uh, three years of doing this. And oh, shit, but I've been here twice. So you make it sound like I come here every week, <laughs> bro. You WhatsApp me all the time. You say you should, you should. I love that. That's you know, not that's true. Great. I'm not listening. He does know. not. He does not dare do that to me. <laughs> no, but I, I, all the best with your last show next week. I hope you don't cry. I hope someone tunes in, and I hope you enjoy life after that. You're such a legend. I know that no one will be listening to 702 during December, but if there are people, they will that between are. nine and twelve <laughs> from the 27th or 28th. It's on my Twitter account. Jeepers, man, Chris Vick, always a pleasure. Thanks, mate. Uh, We'll see you again next week. Last show, my brother. Yeah, Jovejo. One last time. One last time, my brother. Show fit. Shout. This is CliffCentral.com.